This is Behind the Mic with Audiophile Magazine, where we help you discover the best in audiobook listening. Throughout this month, which is Audiobook Month, we're dedicating each day to one of the Audiophile's Golden Voice narrators. Starting off, we are introducing five new Golden Voices who are honored with this Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm here with the lovely and talented narrator Suzanne Torin, who is one of the Golden Voices honorees this year. Hi, Suzanne. How are you today? Hi, Michelle. I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. Now, you've recorded a lot of audiobooks. So how many have you recorded, actually? I don't know exactly, but I figure it's around a thousand. Wow. Yeah. That's a significant number. The reason I say that is that many years ago in the early 90s, 1990, I don't know, six, seven, something like that, I received an award from the American Foundation for the Blind, uh, with whom I started recording books before it became a thing for sighted people. And they gave me an award for having narrated 500 books for them. Wow. And that was already at a time when I was also working for other commercial companies. So I figure between then and over 20 years later, must be around a thousand. Well, congratulations on recording nearly a thousand audiobooks. So of those thousand, you know, what is the most interesting piece of research that you've done for any of those recordings? Gosh, that's a hard one. These days, what's interesting is less the actual fact of researching as being able to talk to the author, which we weren't always able to do, but sometimes just talking to the author and asking the author how they pronounce certain things is fascinating in itself. And then we get into interesting conversations. But I would say the two bits of research that were outstanding were both for books that I did years ago for the uh, Foundation for the Blind. One was a book about Isak Dinesen, which had tons of Danish in it. That time I called the Danish consulate here in New York, and I went for like four days in a row. I spoke to a lovely woman who gave me her time and her attention and her her love of her country and her language and Isaac Dinesen, and told me how to pronounce things. And there were big passages in Danish, like poems and stuff. So I really appreciated that. And then the other thing that was interesting was more the, the circumstances of how I did this research was for a book that had lots of Russian in it. I don't remember what it was about, but it was lots of Russian and I needed help. And so I called the Russian consulate, I think and was told that I needed to make an appointment with the librarian. So I did. And on the day that I arrived, I walked into the building, and there's a very narrow little passageway, and a person sitting behind the old-fashioned teller windows, you know, that have like bars, vertical bars in front of them, like tellers used to have. Yeah or ticket agents at railroad stations. Anyway, so there's a woman sitting there in this narrow little vestibule. And I said why I was there and that I was to be, uh, I was expected. She let me in a door, which the door led to a room that was like a large waiting room kind of thing. The walls were lined with shelves on which were copies of a magazine called Soviet Life. 
this all was before 1989, so it was still the Soviet Union. I'm sitting in there by myself, and all of a sudden, out from the interior of the building, come four men, kind of short, stocky, slightly overweight, in dark suits and white shirts, and they walk in and they start looking around at the magazines. They have their hands behind their back, and my first thought, although I have no proof of this whatsoever, is that it was like they were KGB or something. They were checking me out to make sure I was not some enemy. Wow. So that was, it was just a, nobody did or said anything to me. Nobody was actively threatening, but it was just, I felt very strongly that I was in a police state. Sounds a little terrifying. <laughs> It was. It was weird. And then the lovely librarian came out, got me. We, she took me back into to her uh, area. We had a lovely conversation. She helped me with my pronunciations. And then I started to ask her a little bit about herself. And I, I felt scared about asking it because I didn't know if I was supposed to know or if asking if her response would get her in trouble. The whole thing was very creepy. Wow, that, that's quite a tale, though. Yeah. These days, doing research is uh, less full of adventure because most of it gets done online. But even so, you learn interesting things online. So with all of these audiobooks under your belt, is there something that you wish you had known when you just started recording that you know now? You know, I was thinking about that question, and my first response was, no. <laughs> and the reason for that is I feel like whatever skills I've developed got accumulated organically. So I think if I had known the number of hours that we now sit and record at a time, as opposed to when I first started, where a, a recording session was two hours, period, just two hours, uh, and it was considered really daring and taxing to record for a double session, hmm. for which would have been four hours with a break in between the two-hour sessions. So if I'd known what was coming, I think I would have been intimidated out of the business. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know. Also, if I'd known what a coveted job this is, audiobook narration, and deservedly so, but I think if it had existed at the time, and if I'd been aware at the time that this was a plum job for actors, I think I would have also been intimidated. I would have thought, oh, well, I can never do that then. So it was kind of my ignorance really proved to be blissful in this case. Well, what has surprised you the most about your work in audiobooks? The thing that surprised me most is that it's an actual income-producing job, and it's thrilling. It was not lost on me that coming out of my training before being an actor was uh, in academics in, in French. And so I spent a lot of my uh, college and graduate school years reading a text in French and having a dictionary by my side looking up words, right? And then that's what I started to do for a living. Hmm. is having a text in front of me, not necessarily, not French at all, actually, but looking up words, finding out how to pronounce things. So it felt in a way like I'd been training for it all my life without ever knowing that that's what I was doing. Well, I'm so glad for us that your career came full circle and that we get to benefit as listeners. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. 
I think there's one other thing I wanted to say that about there's something that I do know now that I didn't know when I started. The possibility of intimacy, vocal intimacy with the listener that I didn't have to or don't have to show off or demonstrate how skilled I am in whatever, I don't know, pronunciation thing there is, to just to tell the story. And I think a lot of that, a lot of being aware of that, a lot of having learned that comes from just doing enough stories and hearing enough people talk about what sounds good. And some of it comes from my having started to listen to audiobooks, the way that people listen now, where you're literally, the audiobook narrator's voice is literally in somebody else's brain. I mean, it's in mm-hmm. the headphones, whether they're actually inserted in your ear or, or not. It's a very intimate form of communication, different from radio, different from stage, certainly. Partly the evolving technology has uh, dictated the style of narrating, let's say. Well, those are fantastic answers. Thank you very much, Suzanne. Thank you, Michelle. That was great. I'm Michelle Cobb, publisher of Audiophile Magazine, and I've had the pleasure of uh, being here with Suzanne Torin today. Thanks, Suzanne. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. Take care. Support for Behind the Mic comes from Oasis Audio. We'll be back tomorrow with another Golden Voice narrator. All of Audiophile's Golden Voices are profiled on our website at audiophilemagazine.com slash golden voices, where you can listen to samples and find an audiography of all of their audiobooks. 